you experienced? Have you ever been experienced? With another episode of the Anarchist Experience, episode 443, a.k.a. Year 9, Week 19, uh, coming at you this week. As always, I am your host, Mr. Richie Rich, along with MC and KS. And since this is your regular Saturday broadcast, uh, we are here on the old clubhouse. Uh, Not sure how many people still use the old clubhouse. They've tried a rebranding. Who knows? Uh, But you can find us there, the club or the house I guess, as they're calling it now, is the Anarchist Experience. Uh, if it's a house, there are two of them, uh, because at one point there were clubs and houses, and so I created a club, and then I created a house, uh, and you'll know you're in the right one uh, because it's got a uh, logo that no longer makes much sense, but I did it a long time ago, and it's stuck. So look for the one with the logo, or you can at me, at Riches for Rich, R-I-C-H-E-S, the number four, R-I-C-H. Uh, and then I, if I can figure out how, I will click the little invite button when we get started, which we do here around 3 p.m. Eastern time, Saturday afternoons for the live broadcast. If you're catching us any other way, any other time, and you want to participate, uh, throw the hands up in the club or anything like that, which again is lackluster at best, but hey, it would be nice to see some of you guys in there every once in a while. Uh, that being said, what is going on with you guys this week? I went to a play. Okay. And it was about... Was it uh, Beetlejuice, and were you feeling up a politician? Um, <laughs> I wish. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, continue. <laughs> I mean... I don't know if Ken no, gets not, the reference, or KS gets the reference. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, I don't. Oh, okay. Oh, L- man. L- you, Lauren, you missed Lauren, out then, KS. Yeah, Lauren Boebert got felt up at a theater, and then... Uh, removed from the theater and and it and it became a big scandal on the on the news because she's a politician she's a republican and the, she, she's bad for that but if it was oh she was in arizona is it or uh, uh, colorado oh and is she a trumper or something like that maybe i didn't hear something uh, she's a republican yeah she's definitely a republican oh, okay okay but yeah, Republicans are supposed to have values and morals, and she was caught on, you know, the, they tried to make it as if, you know, it was because there were children in the dark theater, right? They're trying to make like it was, you know, some some grand uh, bad thing for kids, but they had to use like the night vision cameras to even see what she was doing, so. Oh, I see. So she she didn't protest at this action she was participating in it and that's what they noticed somehow uh, in the dark and yeah. so they kicked her out they, they caught her on the night vision um doing adult things with children in the darkened room uh, <laughs> oh i thought that's what theaters were supposed to be for you know, <laughs> that, that, yeah pretty much <laughs> <laughs> definitely in the um in the old days you know yeah 
Short, quick story. I missed my best opportunity to have fun in a theater like that because I went to the Blair Witch Project like the third week in with my girlfriend. <laughs> and we were the only people in the theater. Like it was just the two of us. Uh, and we watched the movie. And that was definitely a missed opportunity. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it was a must-see movie at the time, man. I, I, I will make my case. All right, so you, you were at a play. You were not with Lauren Boebert, MC. Go on. Yeah, uh, I went to a play about uh, the struggles of getting a permit in Hawaii to, to oh build, build the building, and it was a it was it was about the actual uh, uh, what do you call it mm, the Actors Guild, group, okay, the, the Actors Group is that what it, yeah tag anyway these Screen folks, Actors folks, Guild yeah they they were. Um, trying to improve their theater and do it the right way. Uh, unfortunately, um, they, they moved into the building before they got all the permits to use it as a theater. And so they went to the government and said, well, you know, we're already there, but uh, we want to do it the right way and get all the permits and stuff to make it, you know, make it legal. Uh, so please don't shut us down, but, you know, we'll, we'll do it the right way. And it took them six years. Jesus. Is this all a true story, by the way? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, well, fifty percent true, right? That's okay. what they say in the in the <laughs> ad. But, um, but yeah, it did take them six years, and they had to, you know, fix some stuff in the theater, and it's like, so they they had to, you know, make make the case that okay, the the lines are too long, and you got people sitting around for three hours to be seen at the uh, the Department of Planning and Permits. Which is actually two departments in one, um, and there's one guy at the top of that. And the guy at the top of that was taking bribes to uh, give give uh, developers preferential treatment, and uh, somehow that's bad. So, well, it's only bad because the licensing department is there to begin with, right? Like, I'm I'm fine. I'm fine with people bypassing the government line by paying more for the service um, because that's good for their business, right? But the fact that the government puts up the roadblock in the first place, uh, I would object to. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. My, that's, my, that's the one thing that the play didn't really make clear was they they created, the government created the situation and then the people yeah. at the top of that position were powerless or didn't care to make it better for the public. Right. So rather, rather than hire more people to, to process more applications, uh, he just took money. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, well, this is easier and it benefits me. So yeah, yeah, it's just, I'm just, I'm just a cog in the wheel. And so yeah. anyway, that, that type of mentality leads to what, what happens in, in China where you know, everything is corrupt. Um, nothing, nothing is what, it, what they say it is. And, uh, and it's falling apart. So my boss likes to share a story about the importance of following directions and following the rules and following the law. Right. And he's like, I knew a guy once who had a business, uh, and he needed more parking for his business. So he owned some land, right. That was, uh, grass and trees and bushes and whatever. 
And it's like, I'm just going to expand the land and put up the parking lot. And then they said, well, uh, his the, the advice that my boss gave him was, well, you should probably get permission first. And he gave him the old line, well, it's easier to get for forgiveness than permission, so I'm just going to do it. So he did it. And the state came and said, nope, you can't do it. We will grant you permission, but before we grant you permission, you have to tear up the parking lot, put back <laughs> all the trees and the grass, then we'll give you permission, and then you can rebuild the parking lot. <laughs> so out of, you know, out of power and spite, right, made this guy, like, do the work three, three separate times, right? Did the work, undo the work, redid the work just to get to the same spot, right? Because what does the government care about? you know, efficiency, right? Like you broke the rules. So it's not about whether or not this, this parking lot was going to be a good thing or a bad thing or, or, uh, cause external damage to something or should not have been done. It was more punitive. Like you went against the permitting process. And so you must pay. And if he could have bribed someone along the way, I'm sure that would have been, you know, an option there, but you know, just, just the dumb things like that, right? They All they fucking do is get in the way, all right? We've seen the meme a number of times, you know, just putting up stairs for elderly people to walk up a hill is going to cost the city $60,000. And so some old dude just goes like, oh, I'll do it for like 500 bucks and build some stairs. And the city goes, no, 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 not like that, and tears down the stairs, right? Because you can't do it. It's our job to do it. You can't do it. And just makes everything worse and take longer. Yeah. So, so my solution is to make it a pay-to-play thing. Where if you if you if you're waiting too long and you want preference, then uh, go ahead and pay the money. But yeah, then the good thing would, would be is for for that the guy in the in the top position to say, well, I've got this extra money. I can hire more people to see more clients and uh, and help everybody else. So then that way that 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 the rich developers would be funding everybody else's developments. Yeah. But it, he won't do that if he's in the government. He'll just pocket He'll the just money. He'll just take the money. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's easier. Yeah. And, what, and, and, and he doesn't and there's care. No, and, there's, and there's no process to hire more people. Right. <laughs> you, know, you have to, that has to go through another committee. <laughs> like I'm, I, you know, it's, it's not my decision at work, but we have a, uh, there's, uh, I think we've shared this before. I work for a contractor, and we do roofing, siding, windows, and doors. And occasionally, people will ask over the phone, and it's not my department to answer the question because I don't really have the answer. But, like, how long is this going to take? Because I want it done immediately. Right? And I'm, I'm in my head, I'm thinking, well, if the owner's smart, right, you know, there's there's a price to jump the line, Right? Like this, this is the price you were quoted and we can do the job, you know, in three months or so, you know, in the natural course of things, or you pay a little bit more and you bump the guy who's already been waiting a month, who's paying nor- the normal price. Right. And presumably with that money, the owner, the owner could go out and hire a, di- a new crew of people, right. To get the work done. Um, but they're struggling uh, the organization we have been struggling with that for months now as well. Um, and it's, it's partially because the unemployment rate in New Hampshire is low. 
So everyone is fully everyone is fully employed for the most part. I mean, again, it's like one or two percent. Um, and so I keep trying. You know, my boss keeps like post another ad, find us somebody rich, find find some obscure website that nobody visits to post a job ad that no one's going to look at. Right as as we struggle to find more employees, I'm like, well, again, you, at this point. You can't really, you can throw more money at it, which you ought to do, but you also have to like proactively recruit people away from their current employer. They're, they're already working. You need to give them more than, you know, they, they need to have more incentive than just a dollar an hour more to jump ship to our company to do the work, right? When they're, when they're already making at this point, decent money elsewhere, and incentivize them to jump ship. Like you have to recruit people away. No, no one is out of work lining up and we get our, our pick of the litter, you know, even for our department when we're hiring, you know, he'll say, okay, put a job ad up for one of the positions that we're hiring for. Um, and it's always a remote job. It's always, you know, somewhere out there in the country where unemployment is high and people are desperate because we know, that those people will take our job, right? Because it's better than the option they have, uh, but it's not better than the options here. Uh, and I wonder, I wonder how many people are moving to California to get the new uh, pay increase <clears throat> at fast food restaurants there. Oh yeah, twenty bucks an hour, man. Is it really? Yeah, he just raised it to twenty bucks an hour. A Gavin Newsom. Yeah, thing? yeah, yeah. And minimum so, wage. and and it's just for fast food. It's not for minimum wage for everything. No, you're so oh, they they must have like the best McDonald's in the world. No, well, it's going to be the same automated. as every place else. <laughs> fully automated. I mean, that or they'll go out of uh, out of state and close down. But what they did in Seattle when they raised the minimum wage, they just cut like the hours. Yeah, so the, the people voluntarily cut their hours. The, those who kept their jobs um, had fewer hours. Yeah. So they didn't earn any more. Well, but they, and it was a weird thing in Seattle because the people chose not to earn anymore, right? Like they, they were, there's, there's the, what we learned, and maybe you already knew this, KS. What we learned uh, is that there's like, there's an amount of money that people are satisfied with making, right? Not, not everyone has goals and desires to make any more money. And so when they were making enough money, uh, leisure time became more valuable right so when the when the wages went up they went okay uh i only need you know forty thousand dollars a year whatever maybe thirty thousand i only need thirty thousand dollars a year to survive at with my lifestyle right so if i can work 20 hours a week to get 30 hour thirty thousand a year uh, i just have 20 hours of free time that week that i'm going to do leisure activity with so no one no one worked longer I'm not, I'm not saying no one, but people, there was, there was a study that showed people weren't working longer to make more money. They were working less and, and using more of their leisure time because of it. Yeah. And there's another reason too, if there, there's people that are on a, a government assistance and if you make too much money, then you don't get the assistance. So you just have to cut your hours. Yeah. One of my, my, uh, one of our, one of our coworkers, my coworkers, uh, underlings, telemarketers, whatever. He's on social security benefits. And so a couple of months ago, um, he had a really good month 
right? Like a couple of big sales came through and he was going to be making a whole bunch of money and commissions off of a, a, a couple of good sales. He lost his social security. No, no. Um, uh, he was like, I think I'm going to have to take a month off. Like I'm not going to be able to work for a month once that payment hits. Cause then I'll make too much money. And so he just like, he just went home. Like we told him, like, Hey Dave, you know, but uh, you got some like big sales on the horizon. And it's like, that's too much. Like, I don't know what to tell you, Brian, like they're there, you know, I don't count on it yet because they, you know, there's a, there's a right of rescission period here and financing has to go through and whatever. So, you know, it's, it's not a guarantee. And I told him that I'm like, it's not a guarantee yet, Dave, but the, you know, the, the, the preliminary numbers are in and they sold, you know, they sold like $90,000 worth of stuff you wrote leads for, you know, and he went, okay, I'm going home. Like, I don't know if I'm going to see you guys on Monday, but I'm, I have to go home now. Right. Cause if, you know, if that check which, hits for the which month, also means, which also means a bigger load on the people who left. You know, yeah. They, they yeah. Sort of. Them. I mean, it's maybe not in that particular case, but yeah. Figure, you know, if you got fewer workers doing the same work or more, um, they're all loaded up more. Right. For, for it's, the same pay. <laughs> it's slightly, di- it's slightly different in that, in, in, in his position. And I'll explain mm-hmm. in a minute. Um, but he went home. And then, you know, and, and both of the big sales like canceled, like one, one customer called in and, uh, activated the right of rescission. So that one fell off the board. Uh, and then, you know, the other one didn't pass financing. So that one fell off the board. So I was like, oh man, you know, Monday morning rolled around like, Hey, we got to call Dave <laughs> to let him know that don't expect that big old check coming through and get his ass back to work. Uh, <laughs> sure enough, he was at his desk on Tuesday, um, uh, but we run a we run a telemarketing office, and, and say what you want about that, but it's effective. Uh, and we have a I, I think right now we have eleven telemarketers working any given number of hours per week, mm-hmm. and so it, the, ha, missing him does not put a burden on anybody else uh, because everybody else is going to you know is running at maximum effort uh, allegedly anyway. It's not like, you know, okay, you guys got to work more and, you know, pick up extra overtime and get more leads written for us. It's like, all right, well, you know, we won't count on Dave's handful of leads for the week. Um, and so sales might slump, you know, you by talk marginally. Two people at the same time with, you know, one phone on each side of your head. Yeah, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't quite work like that. And they won't yeah. pay overtime, right? So, the, you know, effectively, the only thing we could do in his absence is hire another telemarketer, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's, again, I, as I mentioned earlier, that's, that's been a struggle um, to get them because we're always hiring remotely. And to, to prove my point about the fact that, you know, no one locally wants this job at this wage, right? Alongside the remote job ads, I've posted like, the local job ad, you know, running for the same pay, same location, you know, not remote, but just in-house. Uh, and no one applies to that job. Like we, we cannot get people into the office to do this work for this pay. Everyone is, everyone is remote and most of them are out of state except for two. Well, three in state, but two, two actually come into the office and he's one of them. And he comes into the office cause he lives like four minutes away. Like he is literally right down the road and, and works part-time and is on Social Security. And I've talked to him about the Social Security. I'm like, you know, if you, you, we, what we know about you, Dave, 
right, is that when, when we threaten to fire you, all of a sudden you're a good telemarketer, right? He can do the job, but it's, un, it's like under the threat of unemployment. And so he dicks around and goofs off and does, you know, marginal effort, not minimal, but marginal effort. Until we go like, hey, man, like, look at these numbers. You got to, like, get your fucking numbers up. And all of a sudden, he's fine, right? And so it's this constant ebb and flow of, you know, you're doing fine, and no, we're going to fire you, and so you do better. Um, but I said, like, you know, you know you can do the job, right? And so why not, why not just make more money than Social Security is paying you? And then you don't have to worry about social security and you can just make more money rather than capping your income and capping your lifestyle and all this other stuff. <coughs> Excuse me. And for him, it was uh, the medical that went along with it, right? So he is disabled. And so s- social security pays for all of his medical bills. And there's no way that he could make enough money, uh, to afford the hospital visits that he will undergo, uh, you know, on a regular basis just because he's in bad health. And so he has to stay on Social Security for the medical benefits, and that, again, caps his, you know, he he lives with the income cap uh, because he'll lose more in hospital bills if he had to make more money um, and pay those too. And so, you know, more uh, more uh, perverse incentives within the system, right? Because the medical system is so out of whack that he, you know, he can't afford it and will never be able to afford it. And so is better off just not making money and living a, living a, a less than ideal lifestyle because of it. Yep. Yep. And again, it's just, again, government interference at all levels. Sure. sure. We, you know, talking to the boss, you know, about the the, the welfare cliff, talking to Dave about it and like, all right, I get it. You know, you'll never, you'll never make enough money to afford the medical bills, at least not in this job or many jobs because of your medical condition. Right. And I guess, I guess you're, you're at where you're at, but he. He comes into the office, works 20 hours, gets the rest in Social Security, you know, moseys on home, and dicks around for the rest of the day for the most part. He's, Costco is going to start offering medical services, I think, for like $35 a month or something. Okay. Well, what do you I get? Don't know what, I don't know what that includes, but okay. <laughs> it sounds like an option for me. <laughs> I mean, they've, they've sort of already expanded into that, right? Like, they do the optometry stuff. They have the pharmacy in some of them. So... It's not, it's not a, it's not an unnatural move depending on, you know, what they're offering. Like I, I could see Costco dental, right. To go with the vision. That's not, that's not, um, emergency care or, you know, it's, I want to call it more elective than anything else, but rather than regular doctor visits. But yeah, if you had a, if your, if your primary care was at Costco, and it was just like a regular physical every six months or whatever for 35 bucks. Yeah, why not? You're not doing anything major. It's not like Costco's going to have the surgery team next to the tire department. Someday. I mean, I can hope. Okay. <laughs> well, if that's it, I'm sure Amazon <laughs> will get there first then. You know, if it's- I, I don't know. Costco's pretty, pretty competent, I think. So, What's going to happen to Amazon? What's going to happen? 
Yeah. Didn't, when, well, didn't they face a big suit this week? They're getting into everything. So, you know, they bought Whole Foods and so... You know, they they could expand into anything they want. Well, and they expanded I mean, into the they, pharmacy. Like they 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 bought up PillPack or whatever it was. And didn't the Justice Department bring a big lawsuit against Amazon this week? I didn't hear it. Yeah, I'm not familiar with that one either. There might be something going on with the Google. I'm not familiar with the Amazon one. What what do you what do you think you know about the story? Because we can we might be able to comment on the generalities of it. As opposed to the specifics, like what's what's the government's accusation? Uh, the FTC sued Amazon for illegally maintaining monopoly power. Okay, and that was just four days ago. All right. Um, so I mean, I'm sure it'll be years before it's resolved one way or another. But it's the kind of thing that they said is on the magnitude of the long time ago lawsuit against Microsoft. Okay. And okay, so this is another one. Right, that that people on the left get all up in arms about, and it's because they don't probe or ask any further questions. Right, they're like, "Well, Amazon is maintaining an illegal monopoly and must you know must pay or get broken up or whatever." Right, well, how did they get that monopoly? Right, the lawsuit says that their their course of exclusionary contact prevents current competitors from growing. New competitors, and, and and from preventing new competitors from emerging. In other words, they're they're really good at it. But um, I don't know whatever their techniques. But that's um, well, their techniques uh, are usually yeah. in the in the line of government regulations preventing competition from entering the marketplace. Right? Amazon is not a monopoly, by far, not a monopoly. Right? What 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 is one service that Amazon provides? Uh, that you can't get elsewhere. I'll wait. Right when when it comes to when it comes to shop when it comes to online shopping. Oh, is that the crickets? Yeah. Which which <laughs> which button is that? I'll uh, lower left purple one. Lower left purple. Okay, thank you. Uh, you know they they uh, when it comes to online shopping, right? Their biggest competitor is probably Walmart. Right. Amazon. Walmart had a head start. Amazon did it better. Walmart tried to play catch up. Walmart offers uh, their Walmart Plus program to, to compete with Amazon Prime, uh, but Walmart delivery is terrible. Like I've experienced it, it's terrible. I've you know a number of times just stuff not coming when it's supposed to or not available like it's supposed to, and I go all right. I'm just I'll just go to Amazon, right? So Walmart's Walmart's a, a, the next best competitor there. But every store, just about every store you can think of has an online component, right? You can, you can order from Costco and have it shipped. Not only that, you, you cannot be a Costco member and order from Costco and have it shipped. Like Costco's expanded beyond the membership line. Um, I think you, it's like an extra five bucks or whatever on top of everything just to order from Costco, you know? Mm-hmm. When, it comes, when it comes to, the, you know, the prime video service, Right, they're not even number one in that. There, there's any number of video streaming services, right? Whole Foods it competes with any other grocery store out on the market. the The only one you might be able to make a claim for is like Audible, uh, and that's because Barnes and Nobles kind of went under, and Barnes and Nobles was the you know the the Nook. Remember the Nook, the the tablet device. That was you know the the competitor for audiobooks. 
but even in that, right, they just, they've done it better. And there are, there are authors out there who won't put their audible books or won't put uh, their books on Amazon's audible um, because they, because of the DRM that Amazon puts in and they're more, you know, free market ish type uh, authors or whatever, maybe, but just anti DRM to say the least. But I think, you know, that the audible might be like the one case you can say Amazon has a monopoly on and it's a natural monopoly. I don't, it's just, there's no good competitor for Audible that I'm aware of. Um, and I don't know, you know, I, I haven't done the research to see why that's the case. Um, but I also don't use Audible, right? Like digital book delivery, same thing, right? You can, books come in any number of formats. Well, the, Most people the natural, choose Amazon. The natural solution to this is just to let the government run it. And then it doesn't matter if it's a monopoly. Oh yeah, be careful with that. You know, that was one of the headlines that I had. Uh, I think last week, you know, that, or th- that we covered it. The the uh, Chicago supermarket, right? Like, oh, what's going what's going to happen there? I don't want the government running it either. That's going to make it worse. But the reason the reason Amazon has any sort of monopoly, right, is either because they've demonstrated to be better than the rest, right? Or because there's government regulations preventing people from entering the marketplace. Yeah, there's a third thing, too. Um, They're using their investments, you know, stock sales, to be able to uh, do a thing called loss leading, where they don't care if they make a profit. They're just trying to take market share. And so they've been very successful at doing that. And it wouldn't be a good way to run a normal business. But if you have a whole bunch of, uh, uh, you know, st- uh, stock buyers that, that are willing to take the risk on, on Amazon for a future when someday Amazon has a profit, um, then, yeah, th- I don't know. It's just a really weird thing. And it, it, to me, it sucks. It's, it's, it is anti-competitive or ultra-competitive, depending on how you look at it. Um, there, there's no way for... Uh, a competitor to emerge because Amazon is okay with operating at a loss to prevent that. So yeah, it's it's good. It's good for customers right now. Yeah. Because they're, they're paying minimum for their deliveries and for their service. And, uh, but uh, Amazon isn't really making a profit and all they're doing is taking more market share. So eventually (laughs) They'll switch when when they've completely destroyed all the other markets. Then they'll start using their monopoly power because they're going to be the only ones left. Yeah, uh, you're you're prices. the econ guy, KS. You want to take this one because this is straight out of a college textbook. But you know, well, I think that it's ironic that the the U.S. Postal Service, that is a government sanctioned monopoly, is a main uh, the main tool for delivery for Amazon, and um, and the government doesn't sue itself over. Inflating prices, degrading quality, and stifling competition—that's uh, <laughs> uh, hypocr- hypocrisy of the first degree. But also, it, I, I just don't get their assertion is that they in, inflate prices, degrade quality, and stifle competition. That's—it um, seems to me the opposite of what Amazon has been doing over all these years. So why else would consumers consumers don't have to buy from them? But they do because their prices are better, quality is perceived to be better, faster right. delivery, and all that. 
So here's here's the econ answer to your question, uh, MC, and cor- you feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, KS. Uh, the loss leader methodology is used throughout all industries, number one. Right? That when, when Black Friday rolls around, uh, Walmart, Best Buy, you know, Sears when they're in business, you know, Kmart when they're in business, whoever. Well, I don't know who the big fucking companies are anymore. Right? That $100 TV that's like on the front fucking page of their ad, right? They're losing money on. But what that does is it gets you into the store. Right, it's to entice you in, so they're willing to lose money on certain products, so that they can make money on the other products with higher margins once they've once they have you as a captive consumer, right? So that's that is not that is not a new technique that Amazon invented, right? That's that's standard fare in any sort of retail or 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 well, sales capacity. That's not exactly what Amazon is doing. Amazon is willing to take a loss on everything. Right. So I'm, I'm force, getting there. I'm addressing other- Right. I'm going to address yeah. that too. So what, the, what Amazon does, as you said, is they, they take a loss on everything, right, which is good for consumers and forces other people out of business because they can't compete with Amazon on price, right? But that is unsustainable in the long run because, as you said, they lose money hand over fist to regain to to capture that market share right but at some point they either drive themselves out of business or they f- are forced to raise prices and when they are forced to raise prices that in, in and of itself is a market opportunity for someone else to re-enter the market so as soon as amazon like stops being a loss leader on everything the market opportunity is there for a competitor to enter the market and recapture some of that market share from Amazon. Like that's built into the system. It's, it's unsustainable and someone well, will compete when, when you flip the switch. So Amazon's plan is that by the time that they're ready to raise prices, that their operation will be so efficient and so uh, productive and, and, you know, good at what they do that there, there won't be able, nobody else is going to be able to do that. Nobody else is going to be able to set up uh, anything that looks remotely like what Amazon has. So there, there's a few workarounds to that, but Amazon will be the only uh, kind of warehouse uh, distribution okay. type operation in the world. That's what they're aiming for. Well, so there won't be anywhere for anybody to compete the way they do. There, there's ways like uh, some, something that is coming up is a direct to customer sales. So like if you buy something off of Facebook, they'll just ship it to you instead of going through Amazon or somewhere else. Okay. Um, so, so that's, that's the, basically going to be the only way around it, but there's not going to be a, but by, by the time Amazon is done, it's just going to be, you know, Amazon is going to be the marketplace and then, uh, Unless you want to, you know, buy directly from the, the manufacturer or whatever. Right. Okay. So one of one of two things in that case. Number one, either Amazon is wrong in that uh, in in that prediction, right? Because they 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 can't be so efficient that no one else enters the market, right? Like that's that that seems well, like well they kind of can. Well, I mean, okay. not not nobody, but like okay. If, well, if you, if that's the case. 
right? If Amazon is so efficient that no one ever could compete with them, right? Then that's still the best option for consumers and you have a natural monopoly and there's still nothing wrong with that. Sure. You might, but in the future you might be paying, you know, 10% more than you would have if there was actually competition. No, because if you're paying 10%, no, earlier. no, because if you're paying 10% more, a competitor could capture that 10% by entering the market. Not if 10% isn't enough, isn't worth it to, to start a new company. It's going to be worth it because you're going to capture it, it might 10%. might not because, because in, to, that's just not how to competition start, works. I know, but just if, to start if, something, if there's, you, if might, there's, you might, in perfect might competition, need, look, there's no profit. KS, help need, me out here. You might need 20% no. price difference to make it worth it no. to get that 10%. No, that's not how it works. Because Amazon already has the factory, basically. Doesn't matter. So if there's, ex- if there's excessive profit, there's room for competition. In perfect competition, there is no profit. Perfect competition being econ 101, the opposite of a monop- the, uh, the fundamental uh, op- uh, dichotomous position of a monopoly. All the, all, the, all the profit is usurped by new competitors in the marketplace. And if you're saying Amazon has 10% overage, right, that's 10% that can be captured by a competitor. And so either a competitor will enter or that 10% will cease to exist. That's like basic econ, fundamental, year one, freshman college, even in um, a liberal well, arts degree. Ba- basic econ 101 isn't the end of the story, so... But it's sufficient for this example. No, I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> we'll just disagree on that. I mean, you, you can feel free to be wrong, right? Like, if there's, if there's profit could, to be... You can if, feel free to be right. I do. Because if there's, if there's, if there's <laughs> profit... free to be right, too. <laughs> if there's profit to be... Absent the government intervention, if there's profit to be captured, right, that's what introduces competition into the marketplace. And if you're saying Amazon has it all, it, it has to be sufficient enough for the new the new guy. One percent is to, sufficient. To make, Half of percent is sufficient. Making more money than you're bringing I, in is sufficient, I, I, right? No, because income income if, over if, cost is sufficient. If I have a, if I have a bread making factory, and the and the competitor doesn't, and the competitor's bread is going to you know cost way more, then they're never going to get enough to. B- enough uh they're not going to make enough selling the bread to make their own to build their own factory but they would because there's profit there to be made to be had there so there's a thing called margins what's that there's a thing called margins you have to make you have to make up the margin and what i'm saying is if there's excess profit that that's the margin that's what you're making up it's only an excess profit because they've already got the machine no, it doesn't matter. Someone else would have to come in and build another Amazon, which would be impossible at this point. They don't have Amazon to build. They don't huge... have to build another Amazon. They can they can portion it out into whatever industry you you're thinking about. Right? Yeah, if, that's what if, I said, Amazon, but... if Amazon is selling bread and Amazon has excess profits of ten percent, right? Then someone could invest in a bread machine and take that profit by undercutting Amazon's cost. Amazon. They would price. probably end up selling their bread on Amazon because that's where the market is. That's what everybody does. That's it's the same thing as, as the Audible thing. It's like, well, everybody's on Audible. Like, if you want to sell your audiobook, you, well, that's where you go. Except I already said not everyone is on Audible. It just happens to be the best place right now, and it and it and that could be because a either Amazon is still running uh, Audible as a loss leader, right? In which case it's unsustainable, or 
right? There, there's not a profit to be made on Audible, and so no one's entering the market or government regulation preventing it. I don't have the research on Audible specifically, but they, Audible is I not the end. I think it's just books. because they have such a big market and that so that the, their customers are captive. Yeah, but having having a lar- having 90% market share does not make a monopoly. I'm not even arguing about monopoly at the point. I'm saying the, the way the way they're being successful yeah. is by running a, a loss leading campaign to to okay. uh, crush 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 competition which and if, they're very and successful. And if we if we're using that example for Audible, they're running a loss leader. It is unsustainable at some point, right? They, they can't run that forever, and a competitor will enter. I think the FTC isn't even charging that they're um, doing loss leaders. I mean, what they're talking about is that they're charging higher prices and have lower quality than their competition um, because they have control over the media tool, you know, that they've created. Okay. Along with the help of the U.S. Postal Service. <laughs> so if so, again, if they're charging more at a lower quality, right? That's not high efficiency, right? That's that invites competition, and if the government would get out of the way and allow competitors to enter the marketplace, right? Then you would easily see competition enter from places like Costco or Walmart or, or you know, name another big retailer in the area. Like it, it's. You know, th- there was a guy that used to work at Amazon that tried a number of different times to compete with Amazon once he left, and he he failed spectacularly. Um, but he gave it a good effort, right? And I think he did like you know he was he was uh, the the guy behind Jet or JetBlue or one of those uh, one of those new fandangled companies that came up. Right? He's like, screw these guys, they're 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 screwing customers. I'm going to do it better, and then he just failed, right? And again, failures, failure is a part of it, but someone else failing doesn't mean Amazon's a monopoly and you can't, you know, you, you can't run a loss leader forever. That's, that's, that's also a way to put yourself out of business. And if you're, if you're, if you're providing high cost and low quality, right, there's definitely going to be someone that comes along uh, and, and tries to take that margin or that market share. Like we do it better. Unfortunately, the biggest competitor, Walmart, Right is behind the curve uh, on doing it better uh, because their Walmart Plus, their normal service is just crap. I don't know how good Walmart Plus is, um, but their normal, you know, like ship, ship to you know, ship to doorstep stuff is is terrible. The only other place I really shop is like Best Buy, um, and same thing. The, sh- the shipping is isn't all that it's cracked up to be. You know, their their comp- their competitive. Uh, plus program is prohibitively expensive, right? They're like, ah, oh, for $200 a year, you get like discounts. I'm like, all right, I don't shop at Best Buy $200 a year, you know, savings worth it. But Amazon Prime, yeah, because it's, it's quick. It's trusted, right? But if something else came along, right? And Amazon keeps taking stuff away, right? Like, okay, Amazon Prime video that used to come with your Amazon uh, it's now going to be two ninety nine if you don't want if you don't want commercials, right? So either either people are going to pay the two ninety nine, or go to a competitor, right? Like as as soon as they go like okay now it's going to cost you, the, there's it opens the door for competition. It's un, it's unsustainable. It's fundamentally unsustainable, 
and if and if people are willing to pay the two ninety nine, right, then that's fine. Then they go like, I see value in this, and I want it. And then it's up to a competitor to provide more value, and or at a more at a more reasonable price. And those are okay. those are numerous. Well, I'm not I'm not complaining about Amazon, but okay. the the point I'm trying to make is the, the punchline of my my story with the bread machine is at some point Amazon is building a, a like a ten trillion dollar bread machine, and it'll be very hard for anybody to come in and compete with that that ten trillion dollar bread machine. And uh, and so and if that's the case, just, then people, people are still people could just do something else rather than try to compete with them. They could, but at even, even still, right. If that's the claim, then there's still nothing wrong with it because the consumer is still getting the, the best product for the best price. And when either of those changes, right, then there's the, the introduction, uh, for competition and there are people willing to pay. Right. So someone, you know, someone posted something uh, online and it was like, you know, uh, uh, us versus them type of thing. Some European, uh, I forget how it went. Let me, let me think about this. Someone posted something about Europe, you know, Europe being better and then the European or America being better. And the European posts like, I can't believe that Americans consider, you know, what they buy in the grocery store to be bread, right? Like to be fresh, to be fresh bread. And the response to that was, bro, have you never like been to a bakery? You don't have to buy the stuff from the grocery store, right? You can go to the baker. You can get your, you can get your bread from a, from a, from an artisan bakery, right? Where it's actually baked fresh that day and it might cost you a little more, right? So now you're playing the, the, now you're playing the, uh, quality versus cost game, right? I'm willing to pay a little bit more to know that it's fresh. I'm willing to pay a little bit more to know that it's local and not shipped from Amazon. I'm willing to, you know, I get higher quality for slightly less from this, from this, from this producer than I do from this one. So even if Amazon has like the bread machine, right? You can still get your bread from a guy who bakes it in his oven in old cast iron tins or pans. The competition is there. What, he'll you, he'll pay more, but you you tr- you trust him more than Amazon, and all of a sudden, even if it's a fraction of the market share, right? It's not a monopoly. There are other people that will do it, and there are people that will pay more just to not shop at Amazon or to not give Amazon the money. There are other factors involved in that buying decision. I've only got three headlines. Shall we do them? Yeah. All right, headline. Entire U.S. city filed for bankruptcy after exhausting its options, uh, leaving veterans and ex-cops fighting for pay. Uh, Headline, it's government shutdown theater again. And finally, headline, the slavery contract. That's all I got. So which one you want? Um. All have all are interesting to me. Okay. I don't understand what they mean. The slavery contract. I'm interested in. Uh, I just saw a, a news blip on the a breakthrough on this uh, shutdown, and I am curious about a city that uh, declares bankruptcy. That's that's great. But um, the other two would be more interesting, I guess. 
All right, well. Oh, yeah, how, how veterans are dependent on the city having, I don't know, at any rate. Uh, okay. What, what, what would you like, MC? I don't know. You pick. Well, let's do the slavery contract then, since you were curious about it, KS, and it what requires further a slavery explanation. contract? Yeah. Now? Uh, the government shutdown, especially, you know, if, if you've got a breakthrough, then we can cover that later when more news has come out. Um, the slavery contract, only a virtuous people are capable of freedom. As nations become corrupt and vicious, they have more needs of masters, said Benjamin Franklin. It's no secret that governments tend to be fond of passing laws that obligate their citizenries to the government's. In fact, most countries operate a system of direct taxation, which in itself allows a government to enact a host of laws obligating the individual to the government, complete with significant penalties for failures to comply. And of course, governments, when deciding what sort of general behavior should be tolerated by its citizenry, tend to legislate less for recompense to those whom a citizen may have wronged and more from recompense to the government itself even if it has not been wronged in the slightest. Generally speaking, the larger the country and the older the country, the more extensive the laws. Of course, in a country that claims to be a democracy, the idea is supposed to be that the will of the people is followed by its elected representatives, which suggests that the people actually have a say in how they are governed, that their government may only impose such laws as the majority agree on. While there's nothing unusual in that concept, in fact, all contract law is based on the principle that a contract is created that two or more parties agree to. And with the passage of further laws, the contract would be updated. However, if I were to ask you to show me a copy of your current contract with your government, I'm guessing that not only could you not produce one, but that it never occurred to you that you should expect one. That being the case, the only way that we could cobble together a contract would be to list a set of general principles under which you are presently governed. We can use U.S. law as an example, uh, but much the same laws are common in many other countries. For the sake of convenience, we shall use the term servant and master to describe you and your government. Number one, the servant may not leave the master's property without permission. In order to travel outside the U.S., you are required to present your government-issued identifying document for approval for you to leave even briefly. The decision as to whether you may leave is unilaterally for your government to decide. Number two, the servant may not receive any income of any kind without disclosure to the master. All income that you receive, whether it be through wages or sales of goods or services, must be reported to your government. Number three, the servants shall pay a large percentage of all income to the master. The amount taken from you will be determined unilaterally by your master. Number four, the servant may not own anything that the master disapproves of. The master shall have the authority to declare any commodity or good unlawful. Number five, the master shall have authority to fine or imprison the servant. If the master determined that the servant has violated any of rule two through four, he shall be entitled to find the servant or lock him in a cage for a period of time to be determined by the master. And number six, the master shall have the authority to monitor the servant at all times. The servant's activities shall be monitored by the master through telephone, text, email, social media, and any other forms of communication. 
Of course, these are just the basics, but you get the idea. When looked at in terms, in these terms, it becomes difficult to maintain the self-deception that I live in a democracy. My government exists to serve me, not the other way around. Interestingly, in most countries, a contract such as the above does not exist under the guise of law, and yet that is not a contract that the servant agreed to. It existed before he was born, and he was obliged to adhere to it merely by being born in a given jurisdiction. Moreover, the master has the right to change the contract to the detriment of the servant at will and may do so unilaterally. The larger the country, the larger the degree to which the servant is unable to take part in the discussion as to whether the proposed change in law has his approval. Not surprisingly, then, the larger the country, the more numerous the laws are likely to be and the more imposing they are likely to be on the servant. Still, the relationship of master and slave exists most everywhere on the planet to one degree or another. And it's understandable uh, if the reader concludes, yeah, well, it's the same no matter where you go. What are you going to do about it? And yet that's not exactly true. It's not the same everywhere. There are countries, for example, that have no direct taxation of any kind. The individual, therefore, is not required to disclose his income to his government. Similarly, uh, in countries where there's no tax on property, the government doesn't have the power to confiscate property for failure to pay a tax. Also, there are borders between some countries that are porous. Nationality documents are in some cases merely waived at border agents and in some cases dispensed with entirely. Most governments declare some items to be illegal, but the first world appears to have lock on regulating or outlawing virtually every commodity. And of course, the monitoring of the populace is quite unequal. The more sophisticated the technology in a country, the greater the surveillance. This does not mean that you have to live in a hut in the jungle to escape surveillance. It means that many countries simply cannot afford to fund or choose not to fund maximum surveillance. The bad news is that in any country, we're enslaved by our government to one degree or another. The good news is that we can, at least at present, vote with our feet and choose to reside in a location where we have greater autonomy, in some locations far greater autonomy. Uh, end of the article. So there's the slavery contract. Uh, any any dispute with what's in the contract? Did he miss any of the rules uh, pertaining to the contract? No, I thought it was I thought it was excellent. Um, that's exactly how I view the state, and that's how I say that the new abolitionist movement isn't of 150 years ago to end plantation slavery it's uh, the new abolitionist movement um, is to end state slavery because it's everywhere and pervasive and to differing degrees and people are trying to vote with their feet to leave areas of high tyranny and go to areas of low lower tyranny um, and um, that's what I why I get this uh, upset about the you know the immigration barriers it's just a, a new form of trying to maintain people on state plantations yeah so I, I made the move from high tyranny to low tyranny, but I did not leave the country. So is there, you know, is there something to be said about some sort of capture there? Like, should, you know. Well, is, that's an excellent situation. I, I've talked about the same sort of thing with regard to people leaving California to go to Florida or leaving New York to go to Texas. Um, they're, they're fortunate to be able to make those choices among relative degrees of uh, freedom and slavery 
within the country, and they do in big numbers, and it's very rewarding. I mean, there's a huge prosperity that is the consequence of, of that movement. And it, it occurred in China. I, I often explain about how the, some of the great success of the Chinese economy was the fact that millions, probably 230 million people moved from areas of China that had very high tyranny to areas that were relatively free, lower tyranny and economic free zones. Not political freedom, but economic freedom. Sure. By comparison. So why don't, if that's the case, right, what, what is the main reason that people stay where they're at rather than move? Right. Like we, you mentioned California and people moving to Texas. Um, why is there, there not more of an exodus from California, especially amongst the, the wealthier elites? Right. They, they seem to, I, I'll say Hollywood in particular, because that's, you know, most of it in, in L.A., right? Um, what causes them to stay in California rather than set up shop elsewhere? Well, a lot of it, I think the, the, the very wealthy are the least uh, likely. I mean, they, 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 they see the numbers of taxes high, but they can also absorb a lot of the cost by just being wealthy enough to be above the, the cost. Okay. Uh, but it's comfort and familiarity, I think, and that's true around the world. I mean, there are people who uh, live in very poor, desperate uh, conditions around the world, but it's what they know, it's what they're familiar with, and it takes a lot of guts and courage to pick up and move from one place to another. Yeah. Uh, it's risky because you don't know what you're going to. I mean, um, I mean and, and you're taking... You know, it's hard. It's hard work. It takes a lot of... It's easier just to vegetate, I guess. Well, if you can afford it, yeah. If you can afford to vegetate, then, you know, you're not so bothered by the, the tax burden. It's like, well, okay, I'm I'm still a millionaire, and that's, you know, like the, like the Seattle people. I've made enough where I don't really care about the rest. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's also interesting. I don't, I don't really follow sports all that much, but I feel like I've come across a number of sport articles within the last few years where, you know, the free agent, right, when deciding on where they're going to play next, have decided, you know, like, I'm not going to play in a high-tax state. Like, I'm not, I'm not playing in New York. I'm not playing in California, right? I will, I will take less money to play in, you know, Florida or whatever, right? Because, you know, uh, Florida, the uh, the property tax or whatever is low, right? Or, or non-existent. I forget what Florida, I think Florida has like no property tax or something, which is why a lot of athletes, you know, reti- uh, buy in Florida, reside in Florida, but play and work wherever they, you know, wherever they happen to work. But they keep that as their primary residence and the primary home because, hey, you get that mansion and not have to pay anything for it or something to that effect. But, you know, to places where there's no property tax or no income tax or that burden is low, right? Like that's that's where I'm willing to move to and play for that local franchise, right? I'm not. I'm not going to play in New York or California where they're going to tax me, you know, in excess just because I'm now making you know entertainer money. Sports is a great example of that. How people have been willing to accept people from all over the planet because they want the very best sports athletes. You know, Messi just went to Florida, and he was embraced. Uh, 
in, by in, with wel- welcome arms, even though the state itself is so quick to reject migrants from uh, throughout the Caribbean and Venezuela and other countries as as unwanted people who are going to be a burden. I mean, every um, you know sports athlete. Um, a company wants wants the very best talent from anywhere in the world, and yeah. they give exceptions to it. Even even uh, you know the general population who would embrace Messi uh, from from Florida or I mean from Argentina, just because he's such a great uh, athlete. Well, very often the same people will reject the unknown person coming from those same countries. Yep, those those darn open borders. Got to get them closed. Unless we like you, right? Yeah, celebrities. Yeah. Celebrities. Yeah, there you go. Mm-hmm. Any and final I, thoughts? I, go, go ahead, guys. Mm-hmm. Oh, just that uh, the um, United Nations is the worst example of that. You know, <laughs> New York is always open to the worst of tyrants from all over the planet to come together in a big meeting where they're going to spend a lot of money and get a lot of headlines. A lot of other people. In money. fact, they're yeah, they're they're tyrants. From all over the world, who are oppressive of their own populations, and yet they're treated with such dignity when they come there. Because yeah, they're okay. the leaders. Well, yeah, right. they're, yeah, they're the the important people that matter from those countries mm-hmm. on their private jets, causing mm-hmm. causing all sorts of damage to the climate that yeah. they're trying to protect. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, I, it's it's one of those weird things where the the U.S. has caused a lot of damage, and you know propping up dictators around the world and and then we get upset when when people come here so i think if if you want to, to do the right thing then uh, stop making the rest of the world so shitty and then uh then you won't have to worry about you know people poor people coming here yeah yeah right. that would be a good place to start and if they still wanted to come here right who are we to stop them sure yep. and and for for mexicans in particular there there should be an open border uh, policy for Mexicans because then Mexicans just, could just come and go whenever they want, and um, you know, everybody else that uh, we could address that separately. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll take I'll sense. take that as a start, but I wouldn't. Yeah, yeah I wouldn't sure. make a special case for Mexicans either. Yeah. yeah. All right. Final thoughts. Good. All right. Let's wrap it there. Then you guys know where to find us: anarchistexperience.com on telegram t.me slash anarchist experience or t.me slash the anarchist experience and if you would like to contribute to this show financially you can do so through patreon patreon.com slash the anarchist experience thank you very much for listening and we'll talk to y'all next week peace aloha (laughs) okay rich thanks I'll, uh, i'll see you next week yeah